Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morning. My host, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Um, I'm sure the spouses of all our listeners, if male, are actually celebrating with there being no live sport, because my girlfriend was certainly celebrating when she heard all the leagues are being postponed till further notice. I mean, it is quite strange now having to adapt to not having live football, actually live sports in general, because now you're just having to either switch to watching reruns of various sporting codes, or the other option is either Netflix or Amazon Prime. But I mean, that being said, uh, it's also now football players' lives and, and, and also people's lives are you know, at risk during this period with the coronavirus. So I think, you know, person must also take into consideration that aspect of things. So back to the Premier League. Um, Premier League uh, management and they met with the FA as well. And they decided now to shift from the starting date, which was supposed to be the 3rd and 4th of April as a restart. They now shifted it back to April 30th. What's your thoughts? Well, it, it's going to be really tough for the guys because you're basically having a month and a half break, which is almost a summer pre-season break, and you're going to have to come into a midway of the season. So those guys who have all the momentum now could slack, and it could make a massive difference in the top four race of, you know, which teams now have to start from scratch again. And, and we can't even play field because now he, has, he can work with his team. He can try to work on his tactics when they do come back to trading, so, you know, maybe we can look at the positives of this and Arsenal can catch up to those teams that, you know, had a good momentum going up until now. I mean, things are, I mean, of course, it's, it's uh, you know, as I say, baby sleep still, but I mean, things are kind of getting to normality in some ways because um, a few days ago, London Colney was now reopened, but only for ground staff to, you know, tackle the, you know, the pitches and, 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 Organize some things within the the, the uh, grounds, but I mean, every, like first team staff and and actually staff and uh, football staff and football players and academy players are also you know kept clear from the uh, academy. But I mean, in a way, you can also see little things on a also happening, but of course not on a grand scale of things. But I mean, uh, from what I heard, London Colney has been also deep cleansed throughout now because they're like you know I had also a private company to handle all that side of things. That's going to be, for, for me, really interesting to see what happens when the Premier League comes back. Because it's almost, you know, is it going to be a the skelter pace to the games? Or are they going to be, you know, a very slow pace start to games? Because now it's obviously having to get your feet back, your legs ready. And, you know, you're already tired this part of the season, the latter part. So... It's going to be a very different aspect that none of us have ever seen before. So, you know, sit back and enjoy to see the new, like, you know, the new things can happen. But I mean, uh, uh, one of the points that I just want to also raise that you now mentioned, you know, it takes, <clears throat> when, you, when you think of what the preseason takes, uh, you know, to get a, a player up to uh, actual match fitness, I'm not talking of preseason pace of matches, I'm talking of, like, say, the Premier League pace of things. It's going to take a hell of a lot of work. I mean, if you think of, the sort of setback now, it's almost like you can, look, you can do your training at home on a, your home training and that, but at the end of the day, it's going to still come down to what you're being pushed to that levels on a training pitch against your fellow pros. 
hundred percent. And it's not like you know you coming, you get you allowed to feel your feet into a season because remember in the start of a season you're allowed to lose or like you know throw like a few points away when you're still finding your feet for the season. But you know now there's no no feet to find because there's so much to play for in so little time. So you have to hit the ground running. So it's going to be very exciting actually because. You know, you can't play pedestrian pace anymore. So it's going to take a lot out of these professionals. It's going to take a lot out of everybody. And I think us fans just need to sit back and enjoy the ride now. I mean, it's also going to be like interesting to see how how creative also this football hierarchy is. Because, look, they're going to have to somehow sort, or not only squeeze in these uh, Premier League fixtures, but look, at, uh, it takes the, the even something as simple as the FA Cup to other dimension as well. Because... I don't think your quarterfinals and that you can really push for for replays and stuff like that. It will probably be a full, you know, just straight knockout now for everything. And when do you squeeze these FA Cup fixtures in yeah, between? Yeah. And how many fixtures? It's going to be probably like a December period where there's game after game after game. So it's this coronavirus has hit the world. And I don't think anybody on us on this earth has ever seen something like this so drastic where your live sport has been cancelled, the Premier League, and that's when you know we're in a serious, you know, how serious this is. Yeah, because I mean, look at this now. It was like, you know, attack all forms of, 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 like say, a football club. I mean, at times it is even like, uh, so football clubs are also feeling the, the, the strain in their lower leagues because, of course, they need that sort of revenue to come in because I think Charlton are in quite deep trouble as well with, Look, they've got their own problems with the management and that, or the, the, the board. But I mean, to still take that part of things also away with the financial incentive from, you know, the, the stadium or the gate takings. So these, I think the smaller clubs are going to take a hell of a knock as well. So, I mean, I think this is where not only, you know, football governing bodies must also step in in a way, but I think also these top, you know, there's a rich, the glamour clubs can also, you know, do the bit to also help this sort of situation because you don't want to ever think that, you know, you remember what happened at the start of the season to burn a, a Burry and Bolton, where Burry's been taken totally out of the league itself and uh, Bolton had uh, something like 12 points deducted before the season ever started. Uh, that's, that's crazy. I think what these big clubs can do, and, you know, it, it counts nothing really for them to do this, is maybe play friendlies against these lower league sides in the off-season just to maybe, you know, get that gate seats up and that can help the smaller clubs with income in this, you know, this these trying times. So, you know, these glamour clubs out there, the Real Madrid, the Arsenal, the Man United, all of them, you know, maybe play friendlies against the smaller clubs in your off-season to, to help out because I think the, the world needs to unite in this time and even the big sporting clubs with the small sporting clubs. So, you know, back to Arsenal, um, what's your personal take on, on Arteta this, like, you know, thus far? I mean, look, okay, he's now got now a clean bill of health. I think he's now just also still doing, you know, the self-isolation. But in regards to management now in this period now they're at, at the club now in his reign, I know it's early days, of course, but I mean, what's your thoughts on him so far? Well, to put it firstly, I was never a fan of him to come to Arsenal to take over, right? Remember, I was very much against yeah. it, feeling he's very inexperienced. But what I can tell you is, first of all, I've taken to him better than I took to the news of Una Emre when he did come into the club. So he really won me over by the stuff he was saying when he came in. And I think there's a plan in place. It's just that he's a place to, to work with him. So for me, I'm... 
very much on his side. I'm behind him. His tactics seems to be working. If he just can get the right players, because a lot of our games where we've dropped points, it's individual errors. Yeah. It hasn't been his tactics hasn't working. Yes, I can talk fault him for the Burnley game. We can fault him maybe for the Olympiacos game, but that also comes down to individual errors that happened. But it just seems he doesn't have a plan B yet. But I think he will get there and I can get behind him and buy into his style of playing because he, there is a plan, unlike Una Emre eventually when there was nothing. So, you know, I'm happy thus far. I think he can only improve. I mean, it's his first real coaching job and, you know, we must maybe be a bit patient. I know we've been patient for quite a bit, but I do think there's something that could happen very positive. And your, and your opinion of it? Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing well, but I mean, at times I feel, you know, he's actually got, you know, in air quotes, he got the best out of the over 30s as much as he can or as much as he could. And I think we can we can see that level is almost like kind of being peaked with, with say, people like Socrates and, and David Luiz and, and, and Mustafi. But I mean, they are not, I mean, to put sentiment aside, they are not also like, the real future of Arsenal is a, like, you know, if you want to build a club around the defence, you're going to need, like, I mean, <clears throat> of course, this is now my opinion, but I just think you need a better fresh young faces. I'm not saying kids, like 18-year-olds or whatever, but I think, you know, like, like we've been talking in previous podcasts about players in that, you know, 21 to 24 bracket or even 25, where you have that crop, almost like kind of, you, you build them together and you let them grow as a unit, you know, like George Graham did with the old Arsenal defense, something like that. I think we need to go back to that and also throwing that in, in, in mind, also the, with regards to it, uh, in central defense, I think we need to also revert back to, you know, the old uh, you know, the old roots of having like an old-fashioned style of English or, you know, any like even a British uh, centre-back, somebody from even from Ireland or Northern Ireland, because I mean, you see what Johnny Evans is doing at Leicester. Not the fastest, but I mean, he can still organize the defense. You take, uh, you know, Dunk and Duffy at Brighton, a team that almost like lets in certain goals and whatever, but I mean, it's not now down to the two of them, but because they are not too hard in center backs. And I mean, we've seen when we've come up against them, and even some of the like, you know, the best teams right now, when they come up, come up against Brighton. It's not like you're hitting a cement wall, and I mean, you're normally winning by the odd goal. So I think we need to switch back to that old school way of defending again. 100%. And if you look at the likes of Tony Adams and Steve Fold, they weren't lightning quick. Yeah. They were more organized. They weren't like amazing on the ball. And they were more organized, safety first. And that's your job as center backs. I know the, the modern game has kind of. Um, evolved and you know Ateta seems to like ball playing center backs but sometimes you need know, the rough and tough guys just to get everybody's head right as well to who have leadership qualities as well because that's what we lack a lot you I don't know if you saw that video I think I mentioned it before where the James Milner thing where he was actually speaking to the players motivating them yeah because I mean my t- take with with uh, you know say yeah. with, with the defenders that we're talking about now you're looking at it Defenders that can actually, uh, you know, sniff out before it's happening. Yo, wait, sorry, we're getting cross lines because I don't know if your net cut out or, you know, something. 
Okay, I can hear you fine. Which which part the near the part of us getting Tony Adams like defenders? No, you were talking about James Milner, and then you cut out the. Oh, oh, sorry, James Milner. He actually like the way I don't know if you saw that thing on Instagram where he spoke to his players, telling them you know every time the kickoff goes, we stay focused, we score, we stay focused, they score, we stay focused, and we keep on going, we keep on going. We need that at Arsenal. We don't have that. David Luiz shows the players all the time. Um, focus, focus, and then he pulls the guy down in the box. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, reading. As I, I think, as tough as he's saying it, I mean, look, they, they're getting us this fast, like, you know, where we have been scraping a few clean sheets and stuff. But I just think Arsenal is a club, I mean, if we want to really be a big club, we do have to start thinking of, you know, certain, uh, like a crop of players that can take us into you know, say 2025 or 2027, just the other sort of or train of thought with regards to coaching and, and planning of a club. Because I don't think you could, I mean, you could also see when, when Una Emery came in, at times I don't think all were, you know, his choice of players. So it's almost like we were bringing players on a, on a um, you know, almost like in the, the latter part of their career, but almost like people like Raul and them thought, this batch will probably get us in the Champions League within a year and a half or a year. And I mean, for me, you could see we already showed we were getting in players that, as I told or said in previous podcasts, they were already with one foot out of the out of the door by the previous club. So why do we have to take, I'm like, sorry to say, the scraps of other teams? Yeah, it was almost like a, tried, a quick fix, like you say, you know, when you try to fix something, you just try to put, you know, Installation tape, insulation tape, or just tape, try to cover it and you know, let it when it bursts, it will burst, but it will do the job for the next two years instead of you know, re refurnishing or rebuilding something new. We try to do it the quick way, cheaper way, and it's blown up in our faces. And you can see now that Arteta is now trying to actually rebuild and re clean this whole mess. And you know, he has to, like you mentioned. Get that proper center back. So that's your foundation before we can build on properly. Okay, next topic I'm going to mention. You know, this whole Aubameyang contract thing because it's now, you know, like kicked up again because he's... Uh, look, I don't know if it is him because, look, at the moment, the problem that Dortmund used to have also was with his father and his brother who's, you know, part of his, um, you know, being like the agent, player agent. So I don't know if they was a kind of turning his head also to, you know, maybe go gunning one more season for a, you know a Champions League run at a Champions League qualified squad, because I mean there's so many teams being mentioned at the moment with regards to him, but I mean my take is just you know as much as a person loves Aubameyang and that, I also would not stand in his way because if it's going to also bring back like bring about because talk is already of of some like. 50 million uh, pound offers being listened to. And then if you think of it, he's going to be something like, what, 32? So, I mean, maybe that, you know, in, in previous seasons, we've kind of messed up, you know, that sort of thing where we end up losing a player on the free and end up also with absolutely jack. So, I mean, might as well, you know, cash in if need be. I mean, if it's going to come down to getting the Arteta the sort of players that he actually wants for his team. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little loss, but I mean, there are some top forwards also out there. Uh, it's very difficult to me. And I think one probably has to put sentiment aside and think logically about this. Um, 
50 million for a bombing somebody who could probably offer another one or two more seasons at the top level or maybe we don't know maybe it's like Ronaldo and Peaks a bit even more but you you're gonna get some sort of revenue in like you said and you can actually spend it on investing in more players and building your squad making it the bigger squad but on the other hand you know maybe give him the salary and sell Ozil but you know who does Ozil um go to who's going to pay the money for him so you're kind of caught in a catch-22 and ultimately probably selling him would be the best option in terms of to build a squad because Aubameyang is not going to be there for much longer where you can invest in players like a older version of a Martinelli like you said uh, uh, up and coming forwards but do you have any people in mind of an up and coming forward who could you know kind of step in with Aubameyang Raul Given has actually caught my eye already watching him for Wolves. And I mean, he brings you that aerial threat. And I mean, it's not often you also see forwards like that where he's a threat in the air. And I mean, he's somebody that's going to run at you as well. And if need be, he can also have a pop at goal. And, and I think that's the sort of forward we kind of yearning for. Because if you think of, of Henri almost like set the bar so damn high for any Arsenal forward, I think that is what we always, I don't know if you notice, subconsciously even, we, any forwards we bring in, deep down you're always thinking, but can he do that? But can he do this? Can he do that? And I think that is the sort of forward that we sort of need. We, they're almost like on the money, say 80-90% of the time. Because look, we've also seen, ga- seen games where Aubameyang just gets some kind of like ghosted out of the squad, like where, where teams know, okay, he's the threat. So they end up marking him or isolating him in a game and he, he doesn't get the ball and he's not somebody that's going to really... Uh, yes, he does sometimes come in midfield to help and that, but I mean, he's not going to just grab... You know, the way Andre used to take a game, as you said, always take it by the scruff of the neck and just, you know, go on this lung-busting run-through. I think another guy who, who I know a lot of fans are not as popular as anymore is Robin Van Persie as well. At one season also, he single-handedly you know, carried us through. He just he was a bit injured, but I think he kind of, if he had been at Arsenal a bit longer, could have carried that man- mantle on a bit if he wasn't also as injured. But you, you know, your choice of strike as a replacement for bombing. You know, you actually sold me a bit, making me think. You know, it can work if you maybe can get in Raul Jimenez and then you bring in a bit of a defensive um, tough guy and maybe a, a, another centre back. Uh, experience like yeah. uh, you know 26 27 year old and then if you have players playing around him as well with pace he can be very lethal and you can see at Wolves no disrespect to them how he's been you know also goals has been important and he's scoring against big teams your yeah. Tottenham's and, and them so he's not the just the average Joe player I think he, he a chance at Arsenal and you know maybe we could have a new hero at the club mm. yeah I mean well Worth a well, worthwhile investment because, look, I, I don't think, say, look, some of the teams that have been mentioned that are interested in Aubameyang, like, say, Barcelona, and that, I, I would actually do it something like if, if they want somebody like, say, Aubameyang, you know, you have them pay, say, 40 million, but then you get one of their talented youngsters again that they have. Because, I mean, they always have, a, you know, a, a string of youngsters that are looking like they're already knocking on the door of the Barca team, but I mean, not really getting the, or cutting the break. So, you know, might as well, you know, asking them maybe one or two of their players, of their youngsters. 
I think it's worth a shot. I mean, you know, if you can get value for your money and not lose out again, like we've been losing out. At, you know, I mean, we need investment. And apparently, like you I think you mentioned, that there's not going to be obviously um, an embarrassment of riches of money coming our way. So, you know, we need to try to make good, like, hey, while well, the sun shines with a bummy yang. You know, not to get like uh, get people on a downer or something, but I think that the, there is ways and means of you know cashing in on people because I mean I was just randomly you know throwing out numbers to a friend the other day when we were talking about how we could like bulk up because I think we would probably get something like a fifty or seventy million kitty. So I mean a transfer kitty. So it's going to come down to you know uh, generating cash elsewhere. And I mean if you just think, I'm not just spitballing numbers now, but I mean, if you can say sell Obama for your 50, and then you you say selling somebody like um, say Ozil maybe for 15 or 20, because look at the moment, the things that keeping teams away from buying even something like Ozil is the, the wages. So if you can somehow cut down on, on the fee, you know, the, the fee that you want, maybe that's where the, the club can then, you know generate that money. And then also, like say Mustafi, you can get probably easily 15 or 20 for him. Because, I mean, he's had dodgy spells, but, I mean, he's had, he has shown also some sort of improvement. So, I mean, maybe cash in on that aspect as well. While he's looking now like a better player, maybe cash in on that while he's in that sort of form. And then also, do you think El Nini we can still sell as well? Mkhitaryan can probably get easily $20 million for him. Because, I mean, from like, he has been doing okay at, at Roma when he has been fit. But, I mean, that because they actually do like him. So there is, again, money that, that can be raked in. Yeah, so you're looking at, you can easily have about, you know, additional maybe 110 to 150 million with the sales that you mentioned. And like you said, Daral, even is, it'll probably cost you about 50 yeah, yeah. In, these, in these days. And then, you know, there's Ndidi, maybe you can pull from, from Leicester. No disrespect to them, they are flying high, but maybe Arsenal could try to pull him away from Leicester. And then, you know, even with a cheeky bid for Dunk, try to battle. I think it was a Chelsea that's off team. They are quite close to him, I think, for the summer. So if Arsenal can just get those three players, and that's selling a bombing alone, and then bulking up a bit there. I mean, you have Saliba who's coming in as well, but obviously you can't expect him to eat the ground running. I mean, that's then then you can actually have a good squad. Like it all remind me of almost that you know when that first season when Henri left and everybody thought Arsenal were gonna suffer. We we were very close to the title until that leg break of Eduardo. So, you know, maybe something like that can happen where the team just rallies together and working under the new coach, a new regime and under his ideas. Who knows what can happen? I'm not saying we're gonna win a title, but you know, maybe we can look like we're on our way to that, like Liverpool did. So one other or final <clears throat> point I want to make, and just want to hear your thoughts. I mean, unless you also have other, other points to mention as well. Um, with Santi Cazola possibly joining the club as, as some sort of coach in the summer. So what would your thoughts be on it? Uh, that would be a fantastic um, addition to the coaching staff. I mean, he's a well-liked player by the Arsenal fans, the Arsenal players. He's just loved for Arsenal and... I think the knowledge he can bring to the team, players can learn from him. It's it's going to be fantastic. I mean, he he, he is as short as he is, 
He's, he's clever on the ball. He's not scared to put in a tackle. And that eye for a pass, it's something we've been missing. And if yeah. he can, you know, cherry pick somebody that he said that could do the same job as him or just give that player that bit extra, that eye of an idle pass, that run, yeah. I think there's a lot that can be learned from him. And, you know, it's fantastic news if with us going through. And him and Arteta, I think, will work well together. And uh, th- there's a bright future at Arsenal. We just need to be patient with what's happening now. And your take on this? I think it would actually maybe hone people's skills, as you said, to become more goal-scoring bits. Because, I mean, as uh, we discussed in, in the podcast the last few times, it's, it's actually shocking when you see the lack of goals that come from midfield. Because I think after that little burst that Ozil now had, we're now down to some like two or three goals from midfield for the season, like in the league. So, you know, for me, it's still not good enough because if you think of what previous midfields used to contribute in the goals category, we really need to start seeing that sort of form because you're not going to get anywhere in the league. I mean, you're, at the moment, our defenders and forwards are the ones, you know, pulling our backsides out of the fire every time. You know, you, Arsenal's had, what, 20 goal strikers with Aubameyang. He's hit 20. Um, you had um, also Robin Van Persie that hit 30 at one season. But if you don't have that goal-scoring midfielder chipping in with 10, yeah. eight, you're not going to win any leagues. Because that strikers can get you so many goals, but it's those... Those late Robert Perez, Freddie Ljungberg goals that's, you know, at the edge of the box, last minute type things that makes a difference when your striker is not firing. And, you know, like you said, if Cazola can maybe teach Gwendozi one of those things, those late runs into the box, Sebayos also a bit, you know, who knows what can happen in the seasons to come if you have a guy like that chipping in with your 8 to 10 goals per season. I mean, when we had that goal-scoring midfield, we never had that 30-goal striker, 20-goal striker. Because can you imagine Adam Ramsey, Cazola, that season when Adam Ramsey was firing goals, Cazola was also chipping in a bit. And I think Ozil also had a decent return. But can you imagine that with a 30-goal striker as well? We never had it. We had a Giroud who wasn't... He was good overall, but his goals wasn't up there to win you a league. So we always seem to be missing the one or the other. Now we have a Bamiyang scoring. We don't have the midfield support. So maybe if we can get that balance right, who knows where Arsenal can be in the future. Yeah. So on that note, I'll draw a line on the podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe during this period and enjoy the time, this time out with the family. Bye. Stay safe, guys, and wash those hands. <laughs>